0: Welcome to Sunday Take. This fall, across Minnesota, one of the races at the localist level are school boards. That's the topic this week as we talk to two different groups, one from the left and one from the right, about how they're working to influence local races for school board. I'm Blaise Sulson. This is Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. My first guest this Sunday on Sunday Take is Christine Truen. She's with the Minnesota Parents Alliance. They're one of the groups involved in school board races this year that I laid out at the beginning of the show. And they they're a pretty recent group, much like the second guest I'll have later. And it's part of this whole kind of more people active training and frankly, investing more time, energy, and probably money in school board races. Christine, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Christine, um, talk about the Minnesota Parent Alliance. When did it start? How did it start? And how did you get involved?
2: Yeah, um, well, we started in early 2022, um, but really we kind of started in late 21. Um, I am just a parent, and so I say it, it, it can start with you too. I am literally just a parent who has no resume to do this, but I noticed in my own district that there were school board candidates that stepped forward in 2021, and at the time that was a lot about COVID restrictions and and there were a little bit of you know controversial things happening with curriculum, but I just saw really great parents step up, run for school board, kind of have no idea what they were doing, have a really compressed timeframe in which to do that, um, be met with a lot of opposition, and, and parents were starting to, at that point, really awaken to the idea of what happens in our local communities with our local elections really matters. Um, So I think that that was sort of a disorderly year and it was there was a lot of just sort of chaos and it happened really quick. But what I realized is that there was never really a group to help parents who just want to take that next step toward district leadership. Um, I think if you are not somebody who is going to probably be endorsed by like Education Minnesota or one of the other special interest groups, there's not really any like guidance or training or help. Um, And I thought we needed that. So we stepped forward and and started this group in 2022 um, with the intention to educate and empower parents to be strong advocates for academic achievement, equality, and parental rights.
0: Obviously, during the pandemic, during COVID, many of us, myself included, had multiple opinions, emotions. Anytime anybody feels like you're messing with their kid or you know, it it becomes emotional really quickly, and I had my own moments where I'd ask the school board members a, a question via email, uh, and I'd hear, "Well, that was the superintendent, or that was the principal mm-hmm. uh, decision," and that the the school board. I my response was, "But I don't vote for them," and and that's one of the reasons I think school board races have become more interesting is because there is this kind of buffer between the school board and the classroom can you talk about what that buffer means to your group how it feels where kind of governance of a district versus decisions in the classroom and what that you know is there is there a hard black line is it a gray line what 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 does that look like
2: yeah, well, I think in a, in a functional situation, it all kind of works together. But you're correct that, you know, school boards set policy. That's what they do. They don't get involved in the day-to-day things that are going on in your child's classroom. So I think that some of the dysfunction that we saw happen in 2021 is, you know, parent gets upset because of something that's transpired in their child's classroom, and they go straight to the school board with some really angry comments for three minutes in a, in a public meeting. Yeah. And that's dysfunctional. That's not the way it's supposed to work. So part of the reason that we stepped into this space is to try to create some organization and kind of lower the temperature because what we find is nobody wants to run for school board if you're going to be on the receiving end of a bunch of angry parents. And as a school board member, you you know there's really not much you can do in that moment to influence change for that really upset parent. So... Part of what we do is educate parents on sort of what is the chain of command in a district? How would you go about, you know, your concerns, expressing your concerns? And it all starts with the parent-teacher partnership. You start at the bottom with your child's teacher and developing that close partnership and relationship with them can be transformational and can really prevent, I think, the escalation of, you know, then you go to the principal, then you go to the superintendent, then you go to the school. You may not need to do any of that if you can really create a constructive relationship with your child's teacher. So you know, I that's think that's what we're a, here to message on.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, I, I think, I, I mean, I think that's one of the things that felt or f- at times from when I went to school or even when my kids were younger, they're now gone and I'm an empty nester. But that we did have a deeper relationship with the teacher and it came from going to student conferences or came from being at school for activities and you, and you got to know them and in your community, if they lived there, then you saw them out at the grocery store or at the ball field. And I think that's one of the things that is a disconnect on either the left or the right from this idea that whether it's that three minutes at the school board meeting, or you get something that upsets you, um, Talk about the issues that you believe parents really want that is energizing parents you talk to or candidates you're training.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that unfortunately one main driving there are there are two things that I hear continually, particularly in the last few weeks, as MCA test scores have come out and as the SRO thing is heated up, safety and academics are really the two main things that people care about. At a very low bar, we need to know that our kids are safe in the building. So you know, academics aside, I think we should at least be able to feel comfortable when we hand our children off to the school that that they're going to come home safe to us. And so that is a driving thing right now for parents to get involved and start paying more attention to what's going on in the buildings. And that doesn't necessarily just mean the SRO issue. It also means discipline policies and sort of the way that we're handling, you know, the violence and disruption on a day-to-day basis in the classrooms. And it also impacts teachers because teachers are the ones typically who, you know, their their role as a teacher has been impacted significantly by a lot of those changes. So safety is number one. um, And academics is a close second, if not right in, in line with safety, is that right now we just have a steady trajectory of declining academic proficiency that is really alarming, not just to parents, but to the business community. Um, to many other people who are looking at this saying, you know, if our main mission as a public school system, which is, again, in our state statutes, is to ensure individual academic achievement, and we're not meeting that mark, all the tax dollars that we allocate toward our public school are being spent with that mission in mind. Um, and if we're not serving that mission, uh, we really need to reevaluate the policies and the practices and the way that we spend classroom time and money driving at that goal. So those two main things, safety and academics, really are the the things that we're hearing the most that are energizing parents to pay attention all of a sudden, whereas they may have sort of, you know, checked out and think, you know, okay, my school's kind of got it under control. I live in a good district. I feel comfortable that, you know, we've made the best choice. And I think now they're kind of looking at it as, I just need to be more involved because I want to better understand if I'm seeing sort of a decline, where is this coming from? And, And be solutions focused in their engagement
0: you you bring up academics. Uh, I, you know, I've written about this. I've talked about just the idea that we have not spent enough time talking or really explaining what solutions would look like. But depending on what district you're in it, and depending on your own child's experience, grades, test scores, college entrance scores, college admission, you start to feel like, well, I guess my kid's okay, but you know, maybe I don't know who's not doing okay. Or if it doesn't impact them, are there ways in which you see parents helping other parents understand what's going in the schools? And I say that because sometimes I think there are parents who don't realize, and then they hear something and they get awakened. Mm -hmm. Um, and and then then they seem even more motivated. And I only say that for my own local community where I've where I've watched some of this happen and and they you know they get kind of fired up or they you know say, Oh, well, I've defer to the school board on that. What mm-hmm. are the you know, what do you feel from the parents? Because this isn't look, this isn't a traditional campaign. This is a neighbor to neighbor, friend to friend kind of campaign, yes. And, yes. and the conversations are different.
2: Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm glad you brought up that relational piece, because I do think that a a key part of all of this, because things have just gotten politicized and controversial and and all of the things we really don't want in our local communities, parents want to be unified and unite and feel like public schools are just a key center point of our communities. And, you know, you're going to see these people that your kids, you know, are in the same soccer team with, and you're in drop-off line with, nobody wants to fight with their friends and neighbors over culture war issues. So I think that there's a real aversion to, I don't want to, you know, step into this space if it means that we have to deliberate about gender ideology or whatever the like hot topic is. Um, Can we just focus again on sort of this common ground, shared value of our public schools being for, helping individual academic achievement. Like if our kids can achieve their highest potential here, I have no complaints. But I think what your question is, is, you know, when you see, you know, whether it's something that bugs you in your kid's backpack or you're hearing that discussion going on in your kid's classroom that, that seems to not align with that academic achievement piece. Your question is, like, why are we spending time on this? When my kid, I just hired a tutor to help my kid read. And that goes on a lot, especially in districts where, you know, you have sort of a middle to upper class demographic of people that can handle and 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 afford uh, hiring tutors. It happens a lot. And it really boosts those test scores in those districts to say, you know, I hired an ACT prep coach for my kid. I had reading tutors for my children because it, they weren't serving the mission in public schools. So I think that's kind of the aha moment when parents are realizing that there's a disproportionate amount of the class time that we have or the money in our district budget being allocated toward non-academic pursuits.
0: One of the things that obviously is a topic here is just the politics of this. Uh, Your group is seen or identifies as more conservative. My next guest will be identified as more progressive. Do you find that People talk politics when you talk to them about schools. Do they think about this as a right or a left or a Democrat, Republican issue? Or do they think about it in their community? And I ask that because school board races are nonpartisan. And so um, it's not new that there's party politics in school board races. It's new that there's so many outside groups trying to influence school board races.
2: Yeah, well, here's my take on it. Number one, I think parents don't view this as a right versus left. It's a right versus wrong. You know, can kids read? That's not right. That's wrong if our schools can't achieve that goal. So I don't think it's as partisan as our headlines and social media would have us believe that it is. I know that when I'm speaking with parents, they're not speaking in terms of their political party affiliation. They're talking about what are the results of the school and how can we be solutions focused to change? So that's one. Um, Secondly, I mean, I would say that I'm always like a little bit taken back that that our group gets, you know, kind of tagged as like a conservative activist group because I myself was a Democratic voter. So I don't like I voted for Obama. So I don't really feel like I cleanly map into the like, you know, radical right conservative extremists. I'm somebody who believes in education. I, I think I'm, you know, more of a liberal thinker. And I think a lot of what's going on in our schools is a very illiberal and regressive trajectory. Um, And so that concerned me. So that's part of the reason I stepped into this space. And I'm always befuddled that somehow academic achievement and parental involvement has become political. But I think the reason that is, is because historically, you know, teachers unions have a real political sway. That's just the the way of the world, whether you're talking about the local or state level or national level politics. And I think their involvement in our local elections has made it political. So anybody who's going to challenge that influence kind of by default or, you know, being othered is going to be painted as a conservative because it's the opposite of what the unions are.
0: Um, my guest is Christine Truen. she's with the Minnesota Parent Alliance. They're a group that says, quote, reclaiming our schools is their tagline. I, I It's interesting you bring up the unions because they've been involved in school, this school board races for a long time. And I think historically it was, you know, to try to get teachers better pay and better benefits and things like that. And, you know, over time, it's turned into a little bit of mission creep. Do you hear from parents who... Um, I'm sorry, do you hear from teachers who are interested in what you're up to, that they're teachers in the district and maybe they hear what you're saying and align with it more than maybe what their union is saying?
2: Often. Um, We even have a little private cohort of teachers because unfortunately they're in a position where they feel like if they're vocally aligned with us or opposed to things that they're being told that they need to teach on or message on, that their job is at stake. So um, yes, they're with us because a lot of teachers are also parents. So they deeply understand that they're in both roles. And so the last thing that a good teacher wants to do is keep a secret from a parent or feel like they're not on the same team with a parent because they know that literally the strongest, most influential factor in student success is a parent-teacher partnership that's functional and, and honest and open and close.
0: Christine, kind of last topic here. How do you support the candidates after you train them? What, what else is out there? And, and, um, you know, is it, is it running ads? Is it, door knocking. How how else do you help candidates?
2: Yeah, so we do a voter guide. That's the voter education piece that I noticed was missing because I myself will admit that I never had a clue who was running for my local school board, nor would have I taken the time to research, you know, if there's 10 different people running the nuances of their positions and going to websites like 10 minutes before you run out the door to vote. So we created a voter guide. We endorse candidates in our voter guide, list them district by district, people that we have ferreted out that are aligned with our mission of prioritizing academic achievement and parental involvement. So we try to make it easier for voters to say they understand who we are and what our mission is. And those are the candidates that are aligned with that mission in their district. And we were really successful. That strategy worked really well last year. So we intend to do that again this year.
0: Are there topics that um, you guys don't even want to talk about because they are so polar right now?
2: I think it's not so much that, but I I just get really bothered that I think that's the problem here is that everyone wants to talk about these controversial and divisive things. And it's the conversation we should be having is about how are we going to fix the achievement gap? And I think that whether you look at school board meetings, I've listened to more school board meetings than I care to admit. And I will tell you that there are districts where I've listened to every single meeting and not one mention of academic achievement in the many, many, many hours of that board talking about all different types of policies and procedures and resolutions. Um, So that is really my main thing is I try not to get distracted by the controversial topics because they don't belong in a conversation about closing the achievement gap.
0: Christine Churin, thanks for joining me on Sunday Tech.
2: You bet. Thanks so much, Lois. I appreciate your journalism.
0: When we come back, we'll talk to a group from the other side and why they got involved in training candidates this cycle. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO.
1: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward.
0: My final guest this week on Sunday Take is Kirsten Shruti. She is the founder of School Board Integrity Project, and um, it's a newer group that is training candidates that align with the organization's values. They're a 501c4, and after our last conversation, she brings a, a little different perspective of what I laid out at the beginning of the show, which is this politicization of school board races, how polarizing they've become, and what we're looking for and watching here uh, coming November 2023. Kirsten, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, boys. So, give a little background on um, the School Board Integrity Project. Uh, I my gut is by by the name of the brand, nobody should be against it, but. It is politics and you do have a background as a political organizer. So tell me where it came from and what your goals and mission is.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So the School Board Integrity Project is a 501c4 organization. And we are focused on recruiting, training and retaining school board members who align with our shared principles of integrity, excellence, belonging, uh, trust and respect, which like you said, are not necessarily uh, politically charged conversations or uh, principles, but in this day and age, they tend to be. And so we uh, were really kind of born out of the idea that these school board candidates that we want to ultimately run and win in these races um, are often folks that don't have access to fancy political consultants or a lot of resources but they are exactly the type of people that we need to have on school boards those are parents teachers you know former um, staff members and community members who have a really important voice in the conversation and it comes to you know our our students and their their ability to excel and learn and- and so uh, we looked around and decided that we weren't seeing our values and frankly, the majority of Minnesotans values uh, in the conversation. And so that was where the school board integrity project was born uh, last November.
0: On your website, you have it clearly spelled out integrity, respect, excellence, belonging and trust. Um, you know, I take it as the, those are the values that you speak of uh, as a parent of now graduated kids who went to Minnesota schools, um, mostly public. Um, you know, I can't argue with any of those as a product of Minnesota public schools myself. Why do you think school boards have become so polarized and partisan? And I ask that knowing that you're a dfl or who uh, some of the issues that you are organizing around are more aligned with progressives than they are conservatives.
3: Sure. And, you know, I think, like I said before, quite frankly, these are uh, values that shouldn't be politicized, right? These are just core um, tenets of of public education. And we believe that, you know, for those people who are making them more, you know, political footballs, if you will, that, you know, maybe we need to talk about what, uh, you know, partisanship actually means at the end of the day. But for for us, you know, these are the pieces that we're organizing around because Minnesotans expect and Deserve to have quality education. We're always at the top of the list when it comes to, um, you know, having great schools. And I think that a lot of this politicization is actually coming from a national movement, right? We see this, we see money being spent from outside groups, uh, different Parts of the states, different voices who are coming into communities and telling them what they need and what they should be doing when it comes to these, you know, really hot button culture war style issues. But at the core for the School Board Integrity Project, we want to bring it back to the students and we want to redirect that conversation um, to just these core pieces, right? It seems so simple. And when we talk to candidates and volunteers and just the public, you know, yeah, just instituting respect and trust and these things are intentionally being eroded. And we need to make sure that we're paying attention and and really fortifying our public schools. Because ultimately, this is an attack on public education, on teachers, and that trust within our institutions. And we need to fight back against that.
0: So one of the words that I, you know, hear from non-political people in the community is kind of accountability. Yeah. And it's accountability around test results, academic standards. And I'll just give you an example that I've used a lot is you know, this happened during the pandemic, unprecedented. And I had just a genuine question about a decision that the school made, uh, which was to go from um, an A through F grading system to a pass fail system. And so I just, I asked my school board members who, by the way, I happen to know in my community. So these are parents that, you know, their kids uh, either played sports with mine or were in activities, or these were my neighbors. So I just sent an email to all of them. And I said, can you tell me how this decision was made? And and the the answer I got was, please talk to the superintendent. And they copied the superintendent back. And then there was another academic question about a switching curriculum. And I said, just let me know how that was made. And And I make a point of not playing politics in my own community since I talk about it all the time. I just try to live a quiet life. But I was curious. <laughs> and And the answer I got again was talk to the principal or the superintendent. And my reaction, Kirsten, was, but I don't get to vote for them. And I think that's one of the places where whether it's the dialogue, the emotion that goes into these issues is that I think that, you know, some of the narrative that gets polarized is, you know, is directed at the elected officials because they're on the ballot. And, and so other elected officials seem more willing to kind of have more decision making governance isn't just the role. Can you, they, they kind of have positions, right? So do you talk to candidates about that? Is this something you see with candidates or you've seen with existing school board members?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you're right boys, right? Like what you said, these are everyday community members that we have elected to these positions, but I think I think a part of that is that we kind of fundamentally um Forget or or don't quite remember what school board members actually decide at the end of the day, right? And so when it comes to these decisions that are being made around curriculum or around um, you know scoring systems, things like that, that's coming from other levels of government. They're really uh, they're not really managing the day to day of of schools. They're actually kind of doing that more um, you know governance piece of this. And so I think that uh, maybe that response that you're hearing is more of that fear that people are kind of feeling as elected school board members, because they're quite frankly, if they don't feel like they have all the answers or they don't want to give the wrong answer and get kind of this real flashpoint conversations that we see bubble up at school board meetings and and not everybody is as nice as you and having those conversations on the back end, sometimes they come up very publicly. And so, yeah, it is definitely something that we need to pay attention to, though, because exactly like you said, parents. And you know, other community members absolutely should have a voice in the conversation. And that's right there uh, within the School Board Integrity Project when we're talking about respect and, and belonging and having that, that space for civil dialogue and real conversations about these issues. That's really important. Um, and that's something that we we work with our candidates on. And one of the things that we're doing at the School Board Integrity Project that is very different um, than you know, a lot of different organizations, we have four different trainings that we work with candidates on. We work with them. Um, from thinking that they may want to run for office, to actually running for office, to getting out the vote. And the last piece, which I think is so crucial based on the conversations that we've been having with um, current and former school board members and other candidates, is this transition from candidate to elected official, right? Where you can right. actually work with them and understand how do I take the momentum, these conversations, the values, the things that I've led with as a candidate and bring that into my work as a school board member. Because a lot of the times it's, you know, you get elected and then what, right? Right? And so, how do you have those conversations about those issues? How who do you go to for that information, and how do you uh, disseminate that amongst the community in a way that is effective uh, and appropriate? I think is really important.
0: Kirsten Schutte is my guest. She's the founder and leader of School Board Integrity Project. She's a political operative, uh, but she's working on this project because she felt a need uh, on these issues. You know, one of the other kind of senses I get is that there's so many other issues in schools these days. And that's not new. Okay. I've spoken, I've written about how, you know, when I was a young lad, uh, I may have been a little disruptive in elementary school. I guess it paid off professionally, but (laughs) I, but I, I think about kind of where the kind of core basics are. And I don't, I'm not talking about the, the, the um, content of the curriculum. I'm talking about kind of the layering on and teachers say like, look, we don't want to teach to tests. We don't want more mandates. We don't want those things. But on the flip side districts and therefore school boards are kind of deciding that, you know, we're diluting time away from math, science, reading those kinds of things with more cultural education, things like that. And I'm not talking about kind of the polarizing buzzwords of the right. I'm talking about like, taking an extra hour and a half a week to talk about, you know, kind of the culture of our community rather than, you know, that opportunity for an AP class or something like that. Where do you think that fits in the narrative or the dialogue for school board members or uh, as you look at these local races?
3: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I think quite frankly, some of these, you know, Um, talking points that are coming from whichever side when we're talking about lower test scores, things like that. Third grade reading levels is obviously one we hear a lot. The reality of the situation is that we can find facts and information that that align with our views. Right. That's the power of the Internet these days. And, you know, although we have these things like these third grade test scores, which I know is something that a lot of people are talking about and kind of are continuing to hear about, quite frankly, people can opt out of their Children Taking those tests altogether, people can opt out of taking part in that survey. And and the reality of the situation is those numbers are not a full reflection of what children are being taught in school. And I think that, you know, even when I was in school, or when you were in school boys, it was a very different situation. And I want us to remember that we are educating whole human beings, right, who, you know, are they need to you know obviously read and be able to do math and and have a clear depiction of history that is is accurate and true and understand science and database sources and all of that is true but we also need to make sure that we're creating human beings who are ready to join communities of give back and make sure that you know they're they're um you know ready for the 21st century and ready to be um well-rounded workers and community members and so i think that you know as our culture changes our curriculum should change as well Um, but we still do need to focus on those basics and it's right there in our mission when we're talking about excellence Minnesotans expect and deserve quite frankly excellence within our education system and just because we're focused on things like also ensuring we have welcoming schools and and belonging for students and um, they have the tools and the resources that they need to learn you know all of that is is education at its core. And we need to make sure that we're paying attention to all of those different pieces so that we are able to have students thrive at the end of the day.
0: Last topic is just this kind of role of parents, because, um, you know, there have been statements made even by federal officials about how, you know, look, parents don't get to decide curriculum or don't need to know what's in a curriculum. Do you guys have any positions on that? And, And is that something that Minnesota maybe doesn't have an issue with while some other communities across the country do.
3: Sure, that's a great question. And I think that this also comes back to that nationalization of our school board races that I was talking about earlier. We are seeing this really intentional movement. And these intentional talking points kind of coming from high up above races far, far higher up on the ballot than a a local school board race. And we're having these conversations about, you know, uh, curriculum and these culture war pieces and all of these different things that are, are, are are being said, quite frankly, to undermine public education and create um, this friction that doesn't necessarily need to be there. And so I think that, you know, if you look at places like Anoka Hennepin or, you know, Hastings, and we're looking at this, they already have extraordinarily detailed plans and, and processes for getting curriculum. There is pro- There are processes for community feedback. And so those are already happening. And I'm not saying that to say that, you know, we can't do more, we can't be better when it comes to having civil dialogue. And that also just seems to be uh, more and more difficult as we get more and more polarized. But we need to bring it back to the students. And I think if we come back to the conversation of what can we do to ensure that all of our students are succeeding at the end of the day, I think we're going to be in a much better place. And I hope that, uh, you know, we can create more opportunities for that civil dialogue and have good conversations. But like I said, I think a lot of that is actually coming from from an outside movement. uh, And we need to make sure that we're actually paying attention to what's happening in our school districts, because we do have uh, a number of different channels and places for people to have input and feedback and understand what's actually happening.
0: How do you differentiate when you say outside movement? How do you differentiate yourself from the other outside movements because that's the topic of the show is that there's a lot of outside movements <laughs> kind of in these elections right now. How do, it, it's just political, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely, and I get that, and I understand that these are nonpartisan races, and yeah, we are a new organization, but we are Minnesota-based. We are we are not taking money from national organizations. Frankly, we are funded by individual donations from Minnesotans, um, and we are working to have conversations. We have an advisory board that is made up of Minnesotans, of parents, of school board members, of former school board members, of educators, and people who really care about making sure that our students are able. Able to succeed at the end of the day. And so, uh, you know, I have a very personal connection to school boards. I understand from my own experience what's at stake when, um, you know, students aren't able to feel like they have a safe place to belong and learn. And so for me, this is really personal. I'm a, I'm a Minnesotan through and through. I'm from a small town here in Minnesota. And so I see that and I I really want to make sure that we're putting the focus back on students and, and having conversations and, and advancing dialogue that is civil and, you know, is able to um, really have a full conversation about the problems that we're looking at, and not, you know, having talking points coming down from national organizations or federal candidates for office or these other things or what's happening in Florida, right? We're Minnesotans. And I think that we take great pride in our schools. And and the fact that we're Minnesotans and Minnesotan voters are exceptionally um, well attuned to what's going on. And so I hope that they can see through some of that, you know, initial shielded talking points and get down to what's actually happening on the local level, because these are incredibly important local races, and we need to make sure that everybody's voices are heard at the end of the day.
0: Kirsten Schutte, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take.
3: Thanks so much, boys.
0: When we come back, this week's take. The take this week is all about politics and education. But first, this message from Minnesota Corn. Look, this drought's been hard for Minnesota corn growers, but they'll persevere. That's because they care about the land and sustaining it. They can't control Mother Nature, but they can control the way in which they treat our land for them and for our communities. That's why Minnesota corn growers invest in the future. They invest in cleaner fuels. They might have had a drought of a summer and we have all seen the fire smoke across the air. Well, it's Minnesota corn growers are making sure you have cleaner fuels so that air is not smoggy from them. And so Minnesota corn growers are working to ensure that the sustainable future is for all of us to have cleaner fuels, cleaner air, more sustainable land, using less water, maintaining the local environment. Don't forget, Minnesota's family farmers, they live in those communities. They care about that water too. And Minnesota corn growers invest in those efforts. Always trust your farmer, but know that they are working for the future not just for today. That's your Sustainability Minute from Minnesota Corn. Look, this week's take is pretty simple. The politics of school board races is out of hand. The polarization, the name calling, the lack of civility. But there's nothing more emotional than something that impacts our kids. I get it. I outlined how I felt frustrated. The things that I wondered about during covid parents wonder but you start to add up absenteeism test scores social issues in our schools classes that are required that aren't about the core academics then parents have a reason to wonder what happened to the basics are we getting away from it Because most teachers will tell you they don't want more tests. They don't want more regulations. They don't want more mandates. And so where do they come from? Where do these mandates come from? They come from superintendents, from principals, from school boards. Look, there's no more important issue that Minnesota gets right for the future than education. And so while it's kind of disheartening that these outside groups are influencing school board races, Hopefully it raises the attention of parents to dig into the backpack, to listen to their teacher, to watch a school board meeting, to learn about the curriculum, to engage in their kids' education. I can't think of anything else differently. Because I remember what Bev Olson used to say, there's no fun until the homework's done. And then she checked the homework, especially the math. And it mattered. The accountability at home mattered more than anything in the classroom. So if you're a parent, take your accountability seriously. Give our teachers a break and pay them well. But let's get back to the basics. Because once we get the basics right, then we can let the community and others work on the other issues. I'm Blois Olson, and that's this week's take. I'll be with Vanita every day this week, Monday through Thursday at 620. You can follow along on our newsletters at fluence-newsletters.com. Until next week, that's the take.
1: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Over here. Only at T-Mobile get four
0: iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.